Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 360. You do find your market, you find your niche, you find your community. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm thrilled that you're joining me here today. It's already March, and you know what that means. We are entering into a motivating new season. In-person shows are opening up again, and the opportunity to present your product and find new customers in this face-to-face format is finally here. I want to remind you that doing events like craft shows and farmers markets offers great photo and posting opportunities for social media. We talked about this in one of our tips and talk episodes in the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. And I bring this up because you've told me you're discouraged when you don't see any of the time and effort you put into social media moving the needle on your sales. So given the time we're in right now, take this as a changing point to do something different. Putting in more time posting in the same way isn't going to magically bring you results. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. That's when things will change. If you need some help with this, I've got you covered with the Content for Makers program. Content for Makers will enlighten you as to why your social media activities aren't converting into sales. It will also show you how to put less time in and start seeing activity that will increase your sales. Just imagine a day where you know exactly what to post and to get it done in five minutes or less. Then you can spend your time interacting with potential customers, deepening relationships with those you already know, too. And it builds upon itself naturally. Yes, this is possible. Content for Makers includes a step-by-step strategy to formulating your unique plan based on your business and your products. Then you'll have 375 social media prompts over a full year of ideas. Along with the 375 prompts come 375 image suggestions, so you're not left hanging on the creative. These prompts and image suggestions can be used for all platforms and all types of posting. Images, live streaming, reels, even email direction. But that's not all. Posts aren't going to work if the right people aren't seeing them. So you'll also receive a video and a worksheet on how to choose and use hashtags. This is a way to attract the right people who will become your customers. Most people are doing this wrong. There's more to content for makers too. To see all the details, just jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no brainer. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting different results? Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change before your very eyes. giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. Ready and waiting for your immediate access right now.
today's show really grabs at my heart. Recently, we had a thread going on in Gift Biz Breeze, my Facebook group, about the many facets of your lives. You all have a lot going on and many things that you care about in addition to your business. Of course. (laughs) What I love so much about our topic today is the conversation about merging something that's really important to you personally, in this case, mental health, in with your business. I've never seen it done to the level that you'll hear about with Jennifer's business, and I'm so impressed, honestly, I almost can't put it into words. You're going to hear about her business development story and how and why she incorporated a mental health initiative overlay. We also get into the difference between truly integrating a social entity into the mission of your business versus raising money for a cause that you hold dear, which I know many of you already do. Both important, of course, but different. Get ready to hear a story about a maker whose deep-seated impact goes way beyond her product. Today, I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Jennifer St. John. Jennifer had always wanted to start a successful creative business, and she's done just that. Within the last five years, she's married her love of art and design with a social give-back business model to launch Marnie and Michael. Jennifer and her team design and make leather bags and accessories, with 15% of the profits going towards their own mental health initiative. Jennifer, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to talk about Give Back because we've been talking a little bit about it in our community, and I think I'm going to have a ton of questions for you. (laughs) So we'll get into all of that. But before we do, I want to know a little bit more about you in a creative way, and that is through a motivational candle. So if you were to give us some insight into who you are through a color and quote of your own motivational candle, what would that look like? So definitely the color would be blue. I've always been drawn to water. So blue for me just gives me that grounded feeling, that sense of belonging and that sense of calmness, which I definitely feel works really well as a creative person to kind of work from. And motivational quote, I think the best one for the last three to five years has been be kind to yourself. I think that self-compassion goes a long way, especially as females and business owners and possibly parents on top of that. I think that we tend to kind of let ourselves be the last one in the list of taking care of. And it's so important, especially for me as in my world and I think for lots of people in their world and on top of what we've all been dealing with for the last two and a half years. I like that one a lot. And we're always so hard on ourselves. We Mm -hmm. judge ourselves so critically. We don't give ourselves passes where we'll give other people passes. Absolutely. Yeah, self-care and just having grace. Great way to start off our conversation, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about Marnie and Michael. Yeah, so I've always been involved in art and design, as you said in your intro, and I went to design school for three years, and it was interior design school. 
didn't really love it and then transitioned to being a film and television producer, actually. I kind of used my art background to get into the art department and then fell in love with producing. That world, obviously, very creative, but in a different way and learned a lot about business. And then 2008, the kind of crash that globally happened affected things. And we also, both my business partner and I, started to have children. And so we shifted gears. So Marnie and Michael came out of a few years of kind of just regrouping after that. I really wanted to get back to like physically designing things again and having it be a very tactile experience of like really hands-on again. And then also the second time around with business, I was just in a different phase of life and I knew I wanted it to be a social give back model. So my mom was mentally ill and she was not diagnosed or treated till she was in her early 50s. So our experience as children and even as young adults was quite difficult with that. And I definitely felt like I wanted to in some way be part of the conversation around mental health and wellness now and just try to almost pay it forward, I guess, a bit of sharing what we went through, providing resources, having that open and honest conversation so that hopefully it changed someone's experience now. Because I definitely feel like our experience was very much one of like quiet and shame and nobody talked about it. So I kind of took three years to develop and learn the leather craft of making bags. That was something that I was always drawn to just in my own buying things or traveling and seeing things. And I married the two together. And then in 2020, in January, I got keys to our first kind of physical studio space and went from there. Whoa. <laughs> We're going to back up for a half a second here. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I really, really love hearing from you about your story is you already had the vision of the product and then, of course, with a give back model. Mm -hmm. And you said that you already were drawn to leather goods already did you consider anything else before you started or did you know it was going to be leather no I knew it was going to be leather I knew it was going to be bags I wanted it to be something that like I actually hand stitched the leather when I first started so again it was going back to that like I physically wanted to be very tactile and very personally creating everything and I definitely, what I was drawn to as myself, as a consumer, was I liked the sustainability of leather. It's not fast fashion. It's something that's going to last a long time. And I liked also where the industry is going with some different options that are still leather-like. So I honed right in on that. You knew that before you'd ever even worked with leather? Yes, how did you gain your expertise with working with the material and creating a product that was of the quality that you could sell? I literally, like anything else in my life, I just dug in and I researched. So I bought books. I talked to people. There was a local leather craft store in our town. I got to know them very well. I researched a ton online. YouTube was huge, like learning tutorials from other leather makers across really the world through YouTube. And then I just practiced. I literally spent those first three years just creating and creating and creating and stitching. And again, by hand stitching leather, which is a totally different experience from doing it on an industrial sewing machine. 
So just got very, very niched down and practiced. And then my design background, I already knew how to draft patterns. I already knew how to pull something together that way. And then I started to take industrial sewing machine lessons as well. And because I knew as a business, there was no possible way I could hand stitch everything and still sell it and make money. So I started that. And then as I grew to creating a space and launching the business physically in a brick and mortar space, I knew that my strengths were definitely as designer and owner, visionary founder. And that's when I hired other people who'd been sewing for 20 years to help me produce the product. So before you went into the space, were you selling product already? Yes. So I didn't have an official website launched yet, but I had done enough word of mouth, like just through friends and family that we'd already sold about 50 bags. So I knew that that was kind of also what spurred me on was those three products that I had designed at that point were selling and were selling in a way that was very small compared to what I knew we could do. So that gave me the confidence to kind of go to the next step. The confirmation that the product was good, people were interested, you could produce it to a greater volume, to your point of machine versus hand, all of that. Absolutely. Okay. But really interesting that in this day and age, you went for brick and mortar pretty much right away. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. Well, brick and mortar to me wasn't necessarily that I wanted to have it as my only retail space. It was truly about being a studio space and bringing together a team of people to help me create the brand and launch the brand. Is it a walk-in off the street and you can purchase there or is it more production? We do have it set up that way right now, but it's very limited as to how much we have the retail space open. It literally is more of an office and production space. And one of the reasons is that we're already selling in retailers. So we're really trying to support our retailers and have people drive that business to the retailers who are taking on our bags. Got it. Okay. And if people come into your production location, can they see bags being produced right there? They can. Is it part of the experience? Yep. It's a big, open, beautiful, historic tin ceiling space with lots of light. It's just gorgeous. And yes, we have two industrial sewing machines and people are cutting and sewing and working away. Oh my gosh. I wish I was closer to you (laughs) to come and see. (laughs) If I ever make my way back up to Canada somewhere, (laughs) I'll be able to do that. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. You'll never know. We're not that far apart. It's just crossing a line. Yes. yes. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. Anyway. All right. So you're also mentioning wholesale and it hasn't been that long since you've started. At what point did you get into wholesale? So it was interesting because so when I started, so keys in my hand, January 2020, obviously we all know what happened by March of that year. I was renovating the space and I was just at the point where I was ready to kind of hit the go button and then the pandemic hit. So I obviously put the brakes on building a team and I switched gears into going back and kind of creating more of my marketing materials and getting a stronger foundation there. So I launched my website. I really wanted the mental health initiative part of the puzzle to be quite prevalent on the website before I started to sell the bag. So I wanted people to know that what we were doing with that. So I worked on that quite a lot through the summer. 
And then in the fall, that's when we kind of hit the ground running and we're able to get back up again once my kids went back to school. And at that point, I think we all thought we were up and over a hill. So we started selling online and through our little retail space that holiday season. And then very quickly through social media, local retailers started to find us and started asking to like, do you do wholesale? So that's when we transitioned into wholesale. And then everybody had come to us though. Like we haven't even this year as our now year to push out of sales consultants, helping us to grow further. But everyone so far has just found us through our social media or word of mouth regionally. And then also what happened, which really surprised me, it was something I wasn't expecting at all, was companies came to us to do bulk orders for client gifts. So corporate sales. And quite honestly, last year, we sold over a thousand products last year. And at least half of those, if not 60% of that was corporate sales. Oh, wow. Something you never even expected, but clearly profitable because <laughs> there are multiple orders, obviously, or multiple pieces in an order, I should say. Oh, yes. Like in the hundreds. So this is definitely a piece of the wholesale puzzle that just kind of surprised us. Again, people came to us. We haven't even started to market for this yet. But we are going to move into that this year. And that's actually going to be a larger piece of the wholesale puzzle than we thought it was going to be initially. That's curious. What do you account for the visibility that you had where local people were coming to you and now corporations? Social media. Really? All right. Yep. How? How? So actually, I took a chorus through like this fantastic two women who have now become quite good friends of mine. They have a program called The Social Focus, and it's Instagram for business for entrepreneurs. And so I took that chorus and I used those skills that I learned to kind of get me through. And they also did little kind of very small bite-sized packages that people could purchase for product artwork for social media. Because obviously that's a big part of social media is having the right artwork and displaying your brand the way you want your brand displayed. And so I really use those tools and got to the point now just at the end of last year where I now have more people helping me with that. And like graphically we're doing more and obviously the artwork is still continuing to be awesome. But yes, absolutely. It was social media. That is how people found us in the beginning. And then word of mouth as well. Okay. We aren't even touching on the real topic I want to talk about yet, but we're still laying the groundwork. But there's so much great information here already. I'm wondering, as you were growing, what your mind was saying about as you were getting visibility from local businesses, and then some corporations were approaching you. Was there any concern on your part? Or what were you saying to yourself about the potential volume that could be coming in? And if you could handle it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So very much so I knew that I wanted to grow in a smart way. I did not want to overpromise and underdeliver. Like that was a very big part of myself as an individual, but also just the business. So we didn't push out on more sales last year because it was enough for us to just take on the orders and the retailers that we had and also through our website orders. 
and also to ride the up and down and up and down and closed and opened and situation of last year with the pandemic. So that was enough. Like, honestly, my husband's a business owner as well. And he was just like, this is crazy how much this is taking off even during in a pandemic. And very much so thought I would just still be by myself with one person and we would do in our thing in a very small way. So it was very surprising to me, but also super exciting as a business. It was just like, wow, like I can't imagine where we could be in three to five years if this is where we're at with such a small pool of retailers, only regional word of mouth, some social media, and just not really pushing for sales on our own. So we handled it. It was a very stressful year. I ended up with an ulcer in December. I was not in a good place health-wise, but we got through it. And we have a totally new, I'm building my team. It's a new year. We've got lots of great plans. And what we're actually switching to this year is we've been able to find a small batch production house here in Ontario who's going to help us take on the sewing part of things. They have a team of like six sewers and we've been talking to them for the last six months. So we are going to move some of our production over to them so that that stress of wanting to grow with a brand that people are recognizing and wanting to support but not being able to actually produce our products can be mitigated. And no more ulcers for you. No more ulcers. That's the plan. You know, normally people are worried about, will I sell enough? to make the business what I hope it can be. And I love your example because it also shows that you never know. If you're willing and open to ride the wave, you go for it. But you also had controlled growth because you didn't continue the outreach, tried to manage it to the extent that you could. Absolutely. All right. So let's dive in now into the give back element. I have to say, Jennifer, that The very first thing I recognized when I look at your website, so beautifully done, by the way, your products are gorgeous, all of that. But it almost feels to me like the social element overrides the product element as the website's presented. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? Well, so this is phase one of our website. Okay. Phase two of our website is currently being done over the next six weeks, but it's very difficult to marry the two together. So it's been a dance with all of our marketing, but I'm very much adamant about the why is more important to me. That messaging of what we represent and what we stand for and what we do is very important. So absolutely, it's going to be very much a strong presence on our website. And as our product line grows and as we grow as a brand, we're definitely going to play with the dance of the two because it is, it's interesting. Like even in all of the sales and all of the awareness of our brand right now, I would say at least 60 to 70% of our group right now come to us through knowing the mental health side of things. And then about a third come to us just having seen one of our products in an ad or somewhere. So some people, the mental health or social give back side of it, it's not informing their decision. Whereas the rest of people, it very much is informing their decision and and their regular blog followers and regularly engaging on social media with us and also DMing me or messaging me a lot about their own personal story with mental health. It's very interesting because I think that your 
getting in front of a different set of people than if you were just offering your product out there because of what yes. you're talking about, the people who are reading the blog and anywhere else that you're promoting the cause as well. Within my community, I have quite a few people who have a give back portion of their business, but not to the level that you do and not, as I said, to me, and the website might be different actually when this goes live. So people might see the new portion, but what I saw was right away front and center, like the banner image are, I believe, your parents, right? It is. Yeah, and it's a whole story, but it's the mental health on the top right now. It makes sense to me what you're saying in terms of it's a dance between the two. So think about people who are listening to us. They have a cause that they care about, or they've done a little bit like some proceeds off the sales go to a cause but they certainly haven't put it front and center like you are. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about how you made that decision, a little bit more about the dance, I guess I'll say. I'm breaking in here for a second so you can hear from the sponsor of our show, the Behind the Scenes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I get to work with all the beautiful colors of ribbon as I pick and pack customer orders for the ribbon print company. Our ribbon printing systems include the software, printer, and everything you need to start printing ribbon right away in your shop or craft studio. And when you need new colors or sizes of ribbon or ink, we call them foils. We're just an order away. My favorite thing is when I'm filling an order and everything fits in the box perfectly. Really, I don't know why, but it's so rewarding. Kind of like how our customers feel when they print personalized ribbons and see the reaction on the faces of their customers pure happiness and surprise. Besides the more obvious uses for custom ribbon, I'm seeing it used for sashes, party decor, and bookmarks. There really is no limit to its application. In our small town, the main street is lined with ribbon the city requested saying, stand strong and we're in this together. Our high school also used ribbon to motivate the students when we had Jason Brown competing in the Olympics. It's a joy to be surrounded by something that can provide motivation and joy to others. To learn more and see The Ribbon Printer in action, go over to theribbonprintcompany.com. I think you have to be vulnerable, especially if it's a something that you're passionate about and that is really going to be a big part of your brand. So for me, it wasn't difficult to be vulnerable. Like I've already written quite a bit about my experiences. And what we did as well when I was launching this, it was a three-year, very much so in the early part of the development, but we wrote a book that basically sums up the whole mental health initiative, like the drive behind it. And I took my journals, my mom's journals, and letters between my mom, myself, and my dad, and I put it into a sequence that tells our story over a 30-year period. And then it also has blank journal pages in between so that you can use it as your own journal and also kind of follow our story. So being that open and honest and very transparent about the experience was so important to me because I'm asking other people to be that open and honest and transparent. And I wanted to do it myself first so that it was a bit of an example, but also just so that people trusted me with their stories. So that's a big part of it, I would say. And I think that if you are very passionate about it and you're vulnerable about your story regarding whatever that social story is, I honestly 
believe that it will come back to you. Like it won't not resonate. Well, or it's going to resonate with the right people who you're meant to be with. Absolutely. People use the repel and attract Mm -hmm. wording, Mm -hmm. right? So there will be some people who are like, that's just too much for me or not into this or whatever. And then that's not a good fit. You know, of course, depends on what the cause is or what the issue is, et cetera. But you were just talking about the fact that you were shocked that so many people are coming, two-thirds coming because of the cause. So you find your audience. And I think the more committed you are, if you're specifically cause-based, and the more you put it out there, the more successful you're going to be, although you have to get over the vulnerability too, I'm thinking. You just have to decide you're doing it and that's it. A hundred percent. That has to just be, there's got to be a comfort level there. And yes, like even on the product side of things, I don't believe that my product is for everyone. I truly believe that you do find your market, you find your niche, you find your community. And once you do, then that's the sweet spot. As in your mind's eye, you're seeing the website going up. Are you going to have more product representation, you think? Because right now the homepage is pretty much all cause related. Yeah, we only have that one shop link. So yes, that's the change on the homepage. Is it's going to be a bit more cohesive. And we're definitely going to have the product line much more prevalent on the homepage. And you'll see how it goes. And adjust accordingly. That's the great thing about being in business for yourself. You can figure it out as you go. Absolutely. So the 15% of profits, at first I thought this was to a charity that you had created. But now I'm thinking you decide on where you're going to put the funds that support the cause in various ways. What is it? (laughs) Yes, that's correct. So last year we played around with a bunch of different things. We did some mental wellness boxes where I had curated a package that all the products were from companies across North America, and they were all companies that supported mental health and awareness. And so I had done that for Mother's Day last year. And I mean, obviously, we're very startup, very small. I wasn't working with a publicist at that time. We're kind of trying our best to kind of put ourselves out there. And it did okay, but what we did was we attached an organization with each of one of those boxes, and we did it three times over last year. So there was a direct cash donation with every purchase. Oh, so each box then went to a different cause. Yes, correct. I mean, it's all mental health under the umbrella. All mental health, yeah. So not only we were supporting mental health and awareness by having products from companies that supported mental health, we also, on top of that, gave a cash donation to an organization. And so we tried that model. And then also what we did when we kind of launched in, obviously, in our small way, a new product, we, for example, for Father's Day, all 15% of every product sold went directly to X organization. So we did it a couple of different ways. And, you know, again, just try to see what's working. We definitely want to raise as much money as we can for these organizations. So we are landing more so this year on that model of selecting an organization, working with them to collaborate in a way that supports both of our causes, but very much so around a launch of a product line because we're growing. So we're actually launching a whole new product line for Mother's Day. 15% of those fees will go towards one organization. Got it. And so in every single box, do you have a Marnie and Michael product also? 
Yeah. So the boxes are on hold right now only because I don't have the infrastructure to do it. It's a whole other. It's a whole other business. That's what I was thinking as you're talking. It's like two totally separate things. Yeah, it's a whole, if I had somebody who could just do that work, it would be great. But we're not there at that point yet. So we're just saying on hold because we love the concept. So what we're doing this time is absolutely the spring line is going to launch. We're going to have six new products. 15% from every sale of those new products will go to this organization. Got it. And they're products that you're creating. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the collections, if you will, will be Mother's Day or whatever the seasons are. And then they will go to a specific cause that's already set up and figured out and going through. Very clean and smooth and clear to say. It took me a minute to get it, but no, it makes sense because you have to have it simple and easy to be able to talk about it. Yes. All right. I'm very curious from a business standpoint, how do dollars get allocated on your books for the things that you donate? Is it just a donation line? How does that work? Yeah. So we add up the sales for that promotion. And yes, it's donation to that organization. That's how we've done it in the past year. And then obviously you're taking that into account as you're looking at how you're going to price your products. Yes, absolutely. So we do, our cost sheets are obviously very basic materials and labor. We also include shipping in everything over $100. We also make sure that we have that bit of a buffer so that when you get into your wholesale tiers and our highest tier is 40% off retail, all of that is covered, even at the 40% mark including the shipping and everything. Yep. Nice. Are you doing any face-to-face besides in your shop? Are you going out to any shows or anything like that at this point? We have dabbled. I mean, again, for us here, there's hasn't been a lot to do because of the pandemic and the restrictions, but we've done about three or four shows so far. We're still figuring out which ones are the right ones because of the price point of our product, obviously. And so definitely this year, we are really wanting to gear up, especially, I don't know about Mother's Day because we're still under a lot of restrictions here, but we're hoping that by the fall, for sure, we're looking ahead and kind of really trying to already think about where we're going to go and which markets we're going to choose. So you do see face-to-face as part of the whole plan? Yes. Is this market direct-to-consumer or for wholesale? Direct to consumer. Okay, so you're doing all of it. Yeah. You're doing direct to consumer, wholesale potential, obviously e-commerce, and brick and mortar. Yep. Remember we were just talking about that ulcer? (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, but Sue, I'm growing my team this year, so... (laughs) No, and I think that's great. And it is another topic I want to talk about because this is where lots of people get stuck and they stall their ability to grow. Because if it's not them making the product, then it's not handmade anymore, right? Yeah. Well, and for me, I'm very much like ours is handcrafted. It's absolutely made by a human being (laughs) sitting down, cutting the leather and sewing it. They are definitely not all made by me. There's no possible way I could grow the company if it was all made by me. So yeah, we're not hand stamping leather and stitching with wax thread, which is what I did in the beginning. But we're very much so, I still definitely feel that it's a handcrafted artisan product. 
Absolutely. And they're your designs from the beginning. Yes, absolutely. Did you ever have that barrier where you were thinking, no, well, it's not handcraft. Well, it's handcrafted, but it's not handmade by you anymore. Was that ever a concern for you? It wasn't because there's no possible way for me to grow the company if I'm the only one making them. Right. Everybody listen, underline, underline, exclamation point. (laughs) Seriously. But this might be really helpful to people who are listening. How did you go about hiring people that you were going to feel confident could have the quality that you were looking for and represent and make products that would be at the level that you wanted? Yeah, that's obviously a very big part of this puzzle. I would say I've had success and I've not had success in that department. I've truly just been lucky that I've always had at least one person who has had the experience, who has trained enough that when we hit our high periods, our Valentine's Day isn't too big for us, Mother's Day is huge. And then back to school, we launched a backpack last year. So we had a lot of traction there and then clearly the holidays. So we have about four big kind of pillars throughout the year. And if we were launching a new product or gearing up for retail sales, et cetera, it just always worked out somehow that we did have the people who could produce the product. But I definitely, I've advertised in the beginning I didn't always have success with that, but people in the area realized what I was doing. And I had some super experienced sewers who already had full-time jobs, but wanted to help me. So literally I would cut patterns and roll them and give them bins and they would sew them for me and I would pick them up. They were fantastic and they just wanted to help me. That was in the very beginning. And then I was able to really kind of try to just actually hire people long-term And I had one or two people that worked out. And then word of mouth, people started to recommend people to me. And so again, I would bring them on, see if they worked out. We'd always start off, you know, on scraps or on, we have little card holders for sale. And then as their confidence grew and my trust grew, then they would move on to smaller products. And sometimes we would do interior stitching instead of top stitching for a while. And there was one of my sewers was great at top stitching. The other person would do the interior. So we would make it work that way. I'm now at the point where luckily I have two sewers who are just experienced enough that they can handle everything that I'm throwing at them. And they're a very integral part of my team in developing the new line that we're launching this year as well. Well, and so nice that you're able to give people something that they aspire to. So when like the two you're referencing right now, Mm -hmm. they have that skill, like it kind of like the different achievement levels that they get to, which just makes them more satisfied and appreciate what they're doing so much more because it's not like you just walk in from the street and can do this. Absolutely. And the two women that I have working with right now, uh, one already has a side hustle business that involves sewing. And the other, like very much upfront said, you know, this is what I want. I want to open a small bag company as well one day. And I'm all for that. I would much rather have people come on who are so eager and wanting to learn and be open to the whole process and really take value in what they're doing than somebody who's just kind of wanting to come in and get their hours. Interesting. Because I would think that a lot of people would say, well, then you're going to be a future competitor of mine. Why would I even want to share what I'm doing? Yeah, I truly believe that 
the more support that you can give somebody, like you're not in control of what they're going to do in their future. And they're not signing over their life to me when they sign a contract. So I really believe that people come to you for a reason. And I definitely believe in supporting, especially women, supporting other women in their ventures as well. Absolutely. And abundance. I mean, there's enough business for all of us. Absolutely. And my product is going to be different from their product. And at the end of the day, we're sewing. Like lots of people sew a product. I usually relate this to the jewelry industry because like if you love earrings, you're not just going to buy one style of earrings your whole life. You probably Mm -hmm. have multiple different types of earrings, but you're an earring lover. So same thing with bags. Like if you love leather bags, you may have a couple of them to fit different colors, you know, if you're going to match your outfit. And so you might also have different styles. There's enough business for all of us. So it's a really good lesson, Jennifer, that you're sharing right in the beginning because you're bringing on people and teaching them skills and letting it be for all the things that you just said, whatever the future is, the future is, because this is another really big sticking point for a lot of makers. They're very concerned about that. So excellent example. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just one more question here on hiring. I heard a hesitancy when I talked about it initially. Is there any (laughs) advice or caution you would give to somebody who's thinking about bringing someone on to help? Oh, boy. Okay. I have definitely had more success with people who have come to me via someone I know. So people who are also in the area or own businesses themselves. And it's just somebody that they happen to know who they think, oh, I think this might be a really good fit for Jen's company. And getting that introduction, those are the two people who I have working for me right now. And I have hired over five people in the last year. So if that's possible, and again, that goes back to my firm belief that things come to you for a reason, that has been my most successful place. If that's not happening and you're just having to put your ad out there, then, and I've been there as well, I think that vetting, your vetting process just has to be really tight. You need to make sure that you're really doing your due diligence to find out what their background is. Check their references, but also if there's a job on the list that they they have and they haven't given you a reference for that, try to find out why. There's always two sides to a story, but I just think to try to get a full picture of who you may be hiring and then also very much have like a period of whether it's three or four weeks, like a month, sometimes people do three months, but have that just try out time too, where both people realize this is a test to see if this is going to work. And if it's not working for whatever reason, no hard feelings and we're going to move on. I do that with every hire, whether it's Mm -hmm. creating product, filling orders, whatever. And the way I'll say that is, let's see if it's a fit for both of us. You'll see how the work is and if you like it, and we'll see if the way we're working, to like if it's compatible. So it's not just like, well, I'm testing you to see if you're going to be any good. It's, It's two ways. I totally agree with that. Yeah, because we, for example, for us, we're very organic work environment. You have to be able to be fluid. You have to be able to jump from one thing to the next. Your week isn't set out and laid out strategically every week. It's not the same every week. There's multiple people working in the studio space. You have to be able to work in that kind of environment. And that's not for everybody. 
Right. And some people thrive on the variants. So, yes. you know, it just depends. Yeah. Okay. This has been so informative and so interesting. And I absolutely love how you're putting the social give back right at the top, front and center. If someone is listening and they want to have a cause for their business, you know, they don't really know what it is. For you, it was pretty obvious, Jennifer, of course. Mm -hmm. But they don't really know, but they like the idea of giving back and they think that that could make sense for them. Do you have any recommendations or ideas? Because it needs to be authentic, obviously. Yeah, I would say that there has to be a very strong personal reason why you're choosing that social entity or that social cause. So hopefully there is some sort of a story that you have a personal experience it could be a friend, it could be a family member, it could be an event, it could be something. And I think tying your own story and yourself to whatever that tipping point of, okay, now I'm going to choose this. I think that's the most important thing when you're going to have a social entity, because that's what's going to resonate with everybody wants to find out about you as the brand owner, founder, head designer, etc. And Putting your story out there is a big part of your brand if you're going to have this social give back side of it. Right. And it needs to be something that you're thinking about doing long term. Yes, absolutely. So that's why I think when you say it has to be something that is a personal story that really resonates with you, because Mm -hmm. you'll be talking about it a lot. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing some type of a promotion where the proceeds are going to a local shelter or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's different than what we're talking about here, where it really is integrated into your brand. Yeah, I mean, I have even just this past week, I had somebody reach out from a couple of hundred miles away or sorry, thousand miles away in Canada. And they were just pouring their hearts out to me, telling me about their own personal story. But the reason they felt comfortable doing that is because they specifically said, I can hear the way you talk about your mom and I can hear the way you talk about your story. So whether it's the writing on the website, like the copy, whether it's the messages in social media or any of the interviews or the lives or however it is that I'm presenting, I can only present based on my personal experience. But that is read and people see the honesty and the vulnerability. And that's what they pick up on. Because I think that if you didn't have that and you were trying to support something, I think people pick up on that as well. Right. If someone has something, but they're concerned about, I'm thinking of one person, maybe two people who definitely would have a cause that they would support, but they've been shielding it from their customer base because they're not sure if people would appreciate it. They're worried that they might lose business. Now, I know you don't necessarily have the experience in this, but I think you have more knowledge and insight than I definitely would have. What do you think about that situation? Should they just keep going the way they are? Or would you suggest that they do that? You know what, that's really interesting. I think that obviously, just going back to what we just said, if there was a very personal connection and reason and they were passionate about wanting to raise this money, then I don't think they should shy away from it. I definitely think that they should do it because that's going to read through in everything that they do from that point forward. But I could understand why there might be some intrepidation. 
if they were open to the fact that maybe losing a couple of customers to gaining more customers, but with this new vision, you know, if they were okay with that, then because that might not happen or it might happen. And then also, I can't imagine in this day and age that a customer would pull back from purchasing handmade product because they're supporting X. Right. That would be baffling to me if that occurred. Well, that goes back to what you're talking about in the beginning. Be kind to yourself. We probably always say to ourselves all of these things that could go wrong. But I am thinking, this came to me as you were talking, tell me if you agree with me or not, the one reason you shouldn't do this is as a tactic to grow your business. You need to do it because your heart is 100% dedicated and focused and there for the cause. Absolutely. And it is like running two different businesses. The amount of work that we put into our blogs, the amount of writing I have to do, the amount of work we put into those mental wellness boxes, the amount of work we put into finding the right organizations that we want to support and working with them and months out of a product launch. So like, it is a lot of work. If I just had the bag business, I probably wouldn't have been an ulcer last December. But it's why I get out of bed every day. And it's definitely something I refuse. Like there's absolutely no part of me that would not do it this way. So it's more about figuring out, making it work, not changing it. So I 100% agree. Like, first of all, it's going to be seen very easily through anybody. Anybody's lens is going to pick up on that. And also, it has to be such a big part of your why that you are going to do it no matter what. And I think that's just a cautionary note to people who are listening is all. Mm -hmm. Normally, we're talking about how do you grow your business? How do you build it? This Mm -hmm. is not a strategy or a tactic. This is something that was there from the start. Like you were saying, Jennifer, before you even knew what your business was going to be, you knew already that they were going to merge together. So honestly, if you already don't know what that passion and cause is, that's probably not something that you would add in, except on an event by event basis, like we were just talking about. Yes, the event by event basis. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I would never recommend that to somebody. So look out into the future. Tell me what you think is coming up next. You've already talked about the website. What else? (laughs) Well. New collections. Yes. So new collections, growing the brand, for sure, growing the team, growing the brand. We're very excited about getting ahead of the game. So having our 2023 line designed this year so that we can also get ahead and try to grow the brand with media and publicity. And on top of all of that, I created this company so I could have a lifestyle of being able to have a business, but also very much have a life. And so that is a big part of the future goal. I love that. This has been so fabulous. Jennifer, I'm really glad we know each other now. I want to stay in touch and see where this goes. Oh, thank you, Sue. And I'm really excited to see your website. Cannot oh, wait. thank you. <laughs> I could talk to you for another two hours. This was fantastic. Thank you. It has been such a pleasure to have you on today. Being true to yourself and your life and taking your reality to help change someone else's experience now. And even better, using your handmade product as the pathway to do so. As you heard, adding a social entity into your business isn't the right thing for everyone. 
But if this show resonated with you, I'm proud to have given you something to think about. Next week, don't like to be the reminder of not-so-fun things, but we're just over a month away from taxes. So I guess you could say we're in the middle of tax season right now. I can sense your reactions to all this way through my mic. In our upcoming show, we'll be talking about how to get the tax filing process under control, what can still be done now for this year, and things that can make it easier for the future. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, let me know how it's helped you, something new that you've learned, or suggest a topic that you'd like to know more about. Just do this by adding it as a review in whichever podcast app you listen through. I read every single one personally and absolutely use suggestions as guidance for new guests and topics. There are a lot of other ways to show support for the podcast, too. Visit our merch shop for a wide variety of gift biz paraphernalia, like mugs, t-shirts, water bottles, and even more, featuring logos and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. You can take a look at all the options over at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from anything that's purchased there helps me offset the cost of producing this podcast. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.